Hey there, I'm so pumped to tell you about an amazing new community I've launched called Grief to Growth Circle Community. It's a space for people who are grieving to come together to support each other and for people who want to know who we are, why we're here, where we're going to have those conversations, all the things we talk about on the podcast. So I invite you to join me at grieftogrowth.com slash community to become part of this compassionate crew. The best part is 100% free. And you have access to me in addition to everybody else in the community. In fact, the podcast will be there so you can talk about the things we talk about in the podcast right there in the community. There's also some premium content if you want to go deeper in the work I'm doing, but mostly it's about building relationships and community and about sharing resources and supporting each other. So come on over and check it out. It's grieftogrowth.com slash community. I'll see you inside. Hi there. Welcome to Grief to Growth Podcast. Your host is Brian Smith, spiritual seeker, best-selling author, grief survivor, and life coach. Brian believes that the worst tragedies of life provide the greatest opportunity for growth. Brian says he was planted, not buried, and he is here to help you grow where you've been planted by the difficulties in life. In each episode, Brian and his guests will share what has helped them to survive and thrive. It is his sincere hope this episode helps you today. Hi, everybody. This is Brian Smith back with another episode of Grief to Growth. And I've got a, a guest with me today. His name is Robert Perry. And I'm going to introduce Robert. And then we're going to have a conversation about a really fascinating topic that I'm really I'm excited about introducing you guys to. Uh, Robert is one of the most respected teachers of the modern spiritual path, which is called A Course in Miracles. Robert is the editor of the complete and annotated edition of A Course in Miracles. He's the founder of the Circle of Atonement, uh, which is at www circleofa.org, and I'll put that in the show notes. And, and Robert has also authored or co-authored over 20 books and booklets on the course, as well as hundreds of articles, and he's lectured throughout the U.S. and internationally. Uh, Robert's goal has been to draw out, the course, uh, draw out of the course a comprehensive understanding of the path that it lays down and to support students in walking that path. And I'm really excited about introducing you guys to A Course in Miracles because I've always wanted to introduce you to different ways, different tools of understanding spirituality. And this is a pretty uh, intense way of understanding it that um, I think a lot of people will be interested in. So with that, I want to welcome to the show, Robert Perry. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Robert, I, um, I'm really excited about talking to you today, and I appreciate you doing this. Uh, the Cor- a Course in Miracles, I first heard of it probably five or six years ago. Uh, I was attending at Unity Church. And they were talking about this thing called A Course in Miracles. So explain to me, what is A Course in Miracles? Well, A Course in Miracles is, in form, it's just a book. Um, mm-hmm. It's a three-volume book with a text, a workbook, and a manual for teachers. But it's really a spiritual path. Uh, the book is designed to lead you through a process of development in which you first learn and internalize and experience and demonstrate a set of teachings. So what is, what is the source? Where did the, where did the course of miracles come from? Yeah, that's, that's part of, uh, I mean, it's identity is, 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 is rooted in a very unusual and interesting story. Mm -hmm. Uh, A woman named Helen Shuckman, who was a uh, psychologist, psychologist and at Columbia university in New York city, she and a colleague, Bill Thetford, who was the head of the psychology department 
um, not at Columbia University, but at, at sort of a, a place associated with them, uh, the College of Physicians and Surgeons. They worked together for several years, starting in 1958. So this goes back quite a ways. And they experienced a great deal of conflict in their own relationship as colleagues uh, and also conflict in their department and with other departments and medical centers and just, just everywhere in their professional lives, there was conflict. And finally, it got to be too much. And Bill Thetford uh, sort of gave a speech to Helen Schuckman in which he said, essentially, there, there must be a better way. There must be a way in which people can essentially get along with each other um, and, and cooperate rather than com- compete. And so she said, okay, I'll join you in that. It was a sort of a rare moment of harmony between them. And that seemingly, you know, ordinary, non-spiritual event, they knew it was life-changing, but it didn't have any spiritual content to it. They weren't believers in anything. Um, Helen professed to be a militant atheist. Uh, that was a trigger. She began, uh, this was in 1965, she began having a series of interesting inner visions and heightened dreams and also paranormal experiences. And then several months later, in October of 65, she heard an inner voice say, this is A Course in Miracles, please take notes. Wow. So she began to take down, yeah, very out of character for her, mm-hmm. take down uh, a series of teachings by inner voice that she heard. Uh, and this process went on for about seven years. And she would take these, these teachings down as she heard them word for word uh, in her shorthand notebooks. So she'd do it in handwriting and shorthand symbols. And then she would dictate what she'd taken down to her colleague, Bill Thetford, and he would type it up. Wow. And it was, it was, they called it their guilty secret. They didn't, they were, they were afraid of losing their reputations professionally. Mm-hmm. They shared it with very few people, but eventually uh, it kind of, they shared it with certain key people and it escaped into the wild. People began reproducing the material on Xerox machines and a pressure grew to publish it. It was finally published in 1976. Interesting. Yeah, I did not know the, the, the full history of that. So this is a person who, as you said, was a professed militant atheist and started having these these channelings, I guess, right? So downloads. Essentially, right, right. And the, the source of the material, this is something that is controversial and uncomfortable for many students of it. Mm-hmm. But the source of the material clearly speaks as if this is Jesus talking mm-hmm. to him. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's really interesting that, you know, a lot of us have faith in the Bible, and we and we say that's the Word of God, and and that's not even necessarily professed to be channeled. So there's no reason why I, I was said I was attending a Unity Church when I came across a Course in Miracles, yeah. and one of the tenets actually it was a church before that. I was at uh, United Church of Christ, and one of the things they used to say was um, God is still speaking. So if God could could inspire people two thousand years ago, then certainly God could inspire people today. So. Well, Christians believe that, of course, at least in theory. And, you know, people, people do have experiences of Jesus all mm-hmm. over the world, and not just Christians. So it's not something that in theory is considered, at least by a lot of people, to be impossible. Yeah, well, I, uh, on my program and in my life, I talk to a lot of people who've had near-death experiences, and seeing Jesus is not uncommon when you have a near-death experience. So 
I know, I know it feels a little bit uncomfortable maybe to say this course, this material is channeled by Jesus, but for me and for my audience, I think it's not, not that big of a reach, but I think, um, mm. As the Bible says, you know, kind of the proof is in the pudding. It's like what what type of what type of fruit is this is this tree bearing? And when you talk about a course of miracles and being a spiritual path, the thing is, does it lead to development? Does it lead people to be better people? Well, I think very often it has a, a absolutely you know life changing positive effect on people's lives. I think that we're still trying to get a handle on what this book is and what we do with it and what it says. And I mm-hmm. think for a lot of people, it gets, it gets misused. Um, but I know so many people count the course as absolutely key to turning their lives around and making them more loving and forgiving and generous people. Yeah, and that's been my experience. I haven't gone through the course, as I was telling you before we got started recording. I've, I've kind of dabbled in it a little bit. Uh, when mm-hmm. I was going to the Unity Church, they, they had a – a weekly teaching on it. I went to that a couple of times and I downloaded an app, which gave me some little bits of it here and there. But my experience with people that have been through the course, as you said, they, they like just rave about how it's changed their life and changed your perspective. And one of the things that I think is key to uh, getting through this life and, and being and, and doing it well is understanding who we are. And I think a lot of us have forgotten who we are. And that's one thing that I got out of when I did uh, study the courses that we've forgotten who we are as, as human beings and, and why we're here. And I think the course does a pretty good job of explaining that. Yeah. Uh, that's a core teaching of the course. And in talking about that, I often reference near death experiences mm-hmm. because uh, one of the things I've, I've, I've been into them for, I mean, since life after, after life came out in 75, but, but uh, in the last 10 years or so, I've really gotten into NDEs because there is an enormous amount of crossover between the truths that people learn in their NDE mm-hmm. and the teachings in A Course in Miracles. In fact, uh, a colleague of mine and I, oh, about five, six years ago now, wrote uh, a very lengthy article um, comparing the teachings of A Course in Miracles with the philosophical perspectives people take away from NDEs that got published in the Journal of Near-Death Studies, mm-hmm. um, which is the, you know, the peer-reviewed journal that, you know, for NDE studies. Um, and it was a very long article because there is an enormous amount of, of crossover there. So what the course teaches about what we are, who we are, is that we may appear to be humans, but in fact, we are divine beings. Mm-hmm. Uh, in our true nature, we are pure spirit. There's no bodily component. We are limitless. We are perfect. We are holy. We are made of pure love. We are the kind of being that if we knew we were that being, we would have unlimited self-esteem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I find, one of the things I find um, out of many things so interesting about NDEs is that people often have this experience where they say, I was still myself, but I was not, you know, the, the human I knew. I was not a body. And sometimes people experience themselves exactly as A Course in Miracles teaches us, that they were just pure spirit. There was no form. They were eternal. They were without limit. And it's fascinating to see those reports when that's exactly what I read in the course. Yeah. Well, I, my personal belief is truth is truth no matter where it comes from, right? And, and, and there is a, a C.S. Lewis called it the Tao, the Tao, 
that there's this eternal truth that predates even existence. And it comes to us through many, many channels. And it comes to us through various religions. It comes to us, some of it's in the Bible, some of it's in Christianity. And I think some of it's come through the course. And you're right, it's, it's really interesting, the overlap between the near-death experience and what the, the, the course teaches. And that, to me, is what resonates with me, that, that rings true from the course, mm-hmm. is that mm-hmm. is this, this thing of who we are. And I think that's one of the biggest problems we have on our earth right now is, as mankind, we've forgotten who we are. And that leads us to all kinds of mistakes and problems. And I think returning to those roots and understanding could, you know, provide a miracle, could, could actually be miraculous. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, if we had, if we really believed not only that we are divine beings, but if we believe that about other people, mm. that regardless of what they've done, they're not sinners, they still have limitless value, they are our equal, no matter what appearances may say. Um, if we had that picture of others, I mean, we'd be living in a completely different world. Yeah. And I, and I guess, and correct me if I'm wrong, but is, is a course kind of a systematic way of getting from here to there? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, I'm testing out a new feature. I'd love to get your feedback on it. It's called Fan Mail, and you can send me a message right from the show notes of the podcast. So look for the link that says, send me a text. You can ask a question for a future podcast. You can suggest a guest or just give me any feedback you want. Just remember, it is one way I can't text you back, and I will not have your name, your email address, or your phone number unless you include it in the message. Let me know what you think. That's what it's about. Yeah. yeah. It's it's not just a set of teachings. It's a course. So mm-hmm. it's, it's in form modeled after like an educational course where you've got a text, you've got a workbook with practical exercises, you have a manual for teachers for those who in some sense will having studied and and practiced the principles, go on to teach them. It's trying to take you through a whole process. Um, So for instance, the the text is like a series of lectures. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's in in written form, but each section in the text, and there is about 250 of them, uh, will introduce a new subject. Rolling in old material, referencing old material and building on that, but then adding something new. So it's like you're in a very long lecture series. Mm-hmm. So um, what are some of the teachings? We talked about the fact that we are divine beings and we're all equal. What are some of the other teachings from the course? Well, I mean, it's hard to know where to start. I guess I'll yeah. pick a starting place. But the course is, I often say, it's like an ocean. There are hundreds and probably thousands of concepts, and they all interweave with all the other ones. Mm-hmm. So there's an enormous amount of depth and, and variety of wisdom in there. But uh, from my standpoint, it really starts with the course's view of God. Hmm. And in my experience, in sort of outside of traditional spirituality, when you're in alternative circles, you know, new thought, new age, uh, Eastern spirituality, I think we tend to shy away from the whole God topic because a lot of us feel a bit scarred by God and traditional religion. Yes, yes. So um, what the Course does is it presents a very different vision of God than the traditional one, but also very different than what you tend to encounter in alternative spirituality. Hmm. Traditionally, you know, God is, is uh, loving and wrathful. 
Right. Right. And we we're all very familiar with that. And we tend to, you know, for those of us who grew up in church, like I did, we tend to, you know, carry some of that, you know, fear of God. Mm -hmm. And I think that tends to fuel um, how we are once we perhaps leave traditional religion, we gravitate towards a God who above all is safe. And I think therefore we tend to gravitate towards a somewhat impersonal God. Yeah. Where, I think that's fair to say. Yeah. You know, yeah. where God is more like a presence or an energy or a suchness than yeah, a I, being. I have to confess to that. You know, I grew up in, in a church with this God who was judgmental. And, and I was, I just had this conversation with someone yesterday because we were studying near death experiences and we were reading a book about it. And in the book, the author kept using the word God in, in one of the chapters and this person pushed back and said, I almost put the book down. You know, it, it really mm -hmm. turned me off because you kept talking about God so much. So there, there is in that new age, um, new thought, near death community, there's almost this pushback against the personal God. So how does the course address that? Well, the course's picture of God, which I think is practically identical to what near-death experiencers so often experience, which I can get to in a bit, but, mm -hmm. but the course's picture of God is not an impersonal God. It's almost as if if you took the traditional God who has this loving side, he cares about us, he wants the best for us, he wants to spend eternity with us, and he has this wrathful side where for some reason, he, because he's just, he has to punish us for our sins and he has yeah. to throw people in hell forever. And, you know, the sins have to be paid for. And that's the vision of the tradition, you know, the traditional view of the crucifixion mm -hmm. where someone had to pay. Um, if you take that picture and you just completely remove the wrathful side mm -hmm. so that, so that uh, the God of the course is literally incapable of even the tiniest hint of anger Mm. Um, there's, he's just, the course uses the language of he, but doesn't understand that there's no gender to God. Right. Um, but still this God has a kind of a personhood. He has no form, no body. He has no limits. He's pure spirit. He doesn't change. He, he's absolutely infinite, but he still has thoughts. He still has feelings he still has will and intention. He has a plan for hmm. our salvation. Um, but in all of that, it's like he is just love personified. If you could take love and make love conscious so that love mm -hmm. was a person, mm -hmm. that's what this God would be like. So he is absolutely pure, overwhelmingly intense love yeah. um, for each of, for all of us as a whole and for each of us individually. And what I find so interesting about NDEs, well, again, one of the things, uh, is that people frequently have, and, and one of my favorite NDE books is by Jeffrey Long, uh, God in the Afterlife. I don't know if you've read that I'm one. not familiar with that one, now. Yeah, it's a really good one. Um, he details all these uh, experiences where people have encountered with God, and they are remarkably consistent mm -hmm. and they are so striking because the God they encounter has personhood. You can tell from their story, yeah. but what they encounter is unbelievably unearthly love. So one of my favorite, one of my favorite NDE quotes about this is this guy was saying that he said he was in front of this great light. He said it had to be God. 
and he said it it was like how did he put it? He said it was like you're standing six feet from the sun. He said only instead of heat, you experience love. Wow, infinite love, and that's what that's what you hear people describe again and again from their NDEs, a love that makes the best love on earth seem like an absolute drop in the bucket, um, like one millionth of the real thing, something that we can't understand or describe. It has to be experienced to know what they're talking about. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny because as you were uh, saying that, I was thinking about some of the people I've interviewed, my friend uh, Penny Whitbrot, who had uh, several near-death experiences mm. and tried to describe the love of God. And you were saying you had seen my interview with Tony Woody. Yeah. And I, you know, yeah. as I was watching his face, he was just like, I wish I could describe it. And he goes on for like five minutes describing it and says, I can't describe it. Or so yeah. that's very common with people with the NDEs. So that's, again, that's when I when I hear the course say that, and I hear what people with NDEs say, that's what rings true to me, that that must be yeah. true. And if it's something that feels true, even though it's not part of our conceptual, you know, uh, framework right now, like what religion has, has taught us that? Yeah, that's a good point. Because when I think about it, you know, there, there does seem like the Eastern religions tend to depersonalize this force, you know, for lack of a better word or source. And uh, and then the Western religions that personalizes God made him into just a big man with all with all the problems that we have. Right. And with the, the dual sides of, of humans, you know, we can be good and we can we can be bad. Yeah. What, what I like about Tony's um, description, I mean, he gets so I've 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 seen a video of his and then I also um, listened to your podcast mm-hmm. and he gets so passionate. And what he talks about is the best way I've come to, to be able to describe it. So he had the experience like nearly 40 years ago. Yeah. And he's been ever since trying to think of the best way to describe what he experienced. That says something by itself. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's, that's one uh, plus for the course. I think that this, this, and I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up because something I, I didn't really understand about it. Um, but I think it's very important because for myself, just speaking personally, I was scarred by the, the idea I had of God, and it, it scarred me for a very, very long time. And then, I, as I said, I didn't really think about this until you put it this way. I think I overcorrected, and I took, I depersonalized God. And and then I hear near-death experiences say, well, God is love. It's like, well, but love has got to be at least somewhat personal. I mean, it's it can't can have a totally depersonalized love. Um, oh, yeah. And if you look at their, at the, at their reports, they, they are spoken to by yeah. this God. You know, they're often sent back against their will. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's trem- they, they, they feel tremendous power and intelligence. So, yeah, I mean, even when they, they don't say it was a being, um, it's clear that there are personal qualities to the God they experienced. Yeah. So, um, so what about um, why we're here? Uh, that's, I think that's another big question that people have, you know, what is the purpose of this life? And so what does the course talk about? How does it, just, how does it uh, address that? Yeah, well, the course, like I say, its starting point is God. Mm-hmm. And to, to get to why we're here, I probably should say a bit about its overall worldview, which is mm-hmm. really different than our conventional worldview or any worldview that we've encountered in normal society. Um, but the great thing about that worldview is it makes love and forgiveness make sense. 
very often it, we want to love, we want to forgive, but it seems like it's not rational, right? It's like, given what they did, given who they are, how can I love them? How can I forgive them? Mm-hmm. It's not rational. What the course does is it gives a whole worldview in which in light of that worldview, suddenly it does make sense. It is the rational response to love someone regardless, to forgive them regardless. Mm-hmm. So, so to kind of give a short version of that worldview, Um, We start with this God who is pure love and pure spirit, and he creates, but like any creator, he creates after himself, like himself. You know, an artist creates out of what's within him. And so this God creates all of us. He doesn't create a physical world or universe. He creates us as spirit, okay? Mm -hmm. And we are just like him. We're, we are pure spirit. We're perfect. We're absolutely loving. We're so loving that we're holy. Um, mm-hmm. There's no imperfection or sin or error in us at all. And we're eternal. We're forever. Um, but, and the Course never quite says exactly how it happened, uh, a lot of us um, fall asleep to that state. We decide to separate from God. We can't actually separate because we're part of God, we're in God. Mm -hmm. Um, So we just fall asleep to where we are and to who we are. And in this state um, of sleep where, you know, in sleep, you kind of don't know what's going on. You're not really rational. You don't really know where you are. You think you're in in dream environments when you're really in bed. Mm -hmm. Um, You can't even dream you're somebody else, not the person you are. Uh, In this sleep, we begin to experience a collective dream And that dream, according to the Course, is the origin of the physical universe. From the Course's standpoint, and it has a lot of teachings you can find in places, or at least similar teachings you can find, Mm -hmm. but it also has very bold departures. And one of his points of departure is it says, look at this world. Everything dies. Things are in competition. There's, you know, things are characterized by separation. We're all locked in these bodies where we can't really join with others. We're always in our little cubicle. Yeah. Um, we're vulnerable. Would God, would a loving God create a world like that? Um, so one of the things the course says is um, God is, he is not mad. God is not mad yet. Only madness makes a world like this. Hmm. So from the course's standpoint, this world is our dream of being separate from God. We're not really separate from God. We're, you know, just like any dreamers in bed, we are in God. Um, but we're having a very lengthy, very stable, uh, very uh, long-term mm-hmm. dream that we're dreaming together in which we dream that we're the separate humans that are just full of flaws and foibles and that when we're in competition with each other and so on. And so from the course's standpoint, our, our purpose here is to go through a developmental process of healing the mind that's dreaming um, so that it can ultimately wake up. But it's not about like just getting out of here. It's about we wake up through a developmental process in which we become more loving and forgiving people. Um, and, yeah. and more more giving people, and through that we start to learn that hey, maybe we're not so flawed as we thought. Maybe we're divine. There's that old 
poem that says to err is human to forgive divine mm-hmm. well if all you do is forgive wouldn't you become convinced you're divine stay with us we'll be right back hi there i'm really excited to tell you about my latest ebook it's four lessons that you can learn from the near-death experience without going through all the trouble of dying to learn them I've been studying NDEs for several years now. I am completely convinced that not only are they 100% real, but that there's some very universal wisdom that we can get from the near-death experience. And I've distilled that down in this book into four short lessons. And I've also given you all the reasons why I believe the NDEs are absolutely real. So go to www.grieftogrowth.com slash NDE lessons to pick it up for free www.grief2growth.com slash NDE lessons. I hope you enjoy it. Yeah. Well, it's, it, it's uh, really fascinating because um, I think one of the things that every religion or philosophy tries to figure out is why. Why are we here? What's the purpose? Right. And so when you said this is a dream, that's a little bit different from what I've heard, but it does come back around that there is some purpose behind it because I, what I've been, I've kind of come to is this is like a, like a classroom or like a school or like a gym or like a boot camp, all these different analogies that we can use where we come here, we feel the separation, we forget who we are for a little while so that we can build our strengths, build our character, and that the lack that we experience here, the forgiveness, those are all ways that we can build ourselves and make ourselves you know, stronger beings. Yeah, and I would absolutely agree with all that. And and what the course would do is just kind of give a little caveat saying we don't actually strengthen ourselves. Our real selves are already perfect. Yeah. But but in terms of these minds that are caught in an illusion and in a dream, they become more and more uh in touch with that underlying perfection. And and yeah, it the, the way it looks is one develops character, character that becomes ultimately godlike. Yeah. So the the forgiveness, how does that come into it? So if we have this understanding, why does it make forgiveness make sense? Well, because if if this, you know, generally when we're trying to forgive somebody, we feel mistreated by mm-hmm. them, right? Mm-hmm. And it can it can get very deep and serious. Um what's going on is that we think, okay, well that was all real. Um they are that selfish person, that hurtful, cruel person. And they objectively did hurtful things to me. Those things may not have injured my body. Maybe they did, but they definitely injured my mind and heart, mm-hmm. my my maybe even my soul, perhaps, in my belief. And therefore, because I really got hurt, I really lost, they really did it. Maybe in some sense, they gained from that. They at least gained a sense of having the upper hand. Yeah. Um, based on all of that, why does it really make sense to forgive them? Right. I mean, is it even, is it even logical? Is it just, does it? So, so there's something else that says, I'd love to be free. I'd like to free them too. I'd like to forgive, but it just doesn't seem to make sense. In the course's view, there's a whole worldview in which it does, because in this view, who I am can't really be hurt. Not really. Right. Who they are, can't really become sinful and bad um and who and because of who they are when they attack me they don't gain anything real they just end up losing 
they feel worse about themselves somewhere inside. They feel mm-hmm. guilty somewhere inside because being a holy and divine being, when they behave like that, they just feel bad. Um, even if on an ego level, they feel, yeah, I'm superior because I put so-and-so in their place. Yeah. Um, and so they're still holy and divine. I'm still holy and divine. They haven't become sinful. I haven't been injured. And therefore, it makes sense to, to let it go in light of how precious they are and in light of the fact that underneath it all, we, ha- we are still united and we're yeah. still in, in harmony. I like the, I liked when you said, let it go, because as you were going through that, it's not even, I think we get to the point where it's not even, there's nothing to forgive. It's not a yeah. matter of forgiving. It's a matter of letting it go. Because as you said, and it, it's interesting we're having this conversation today because I'm reading a book by a guy who says he's enlightened and he's given like ideas of being enlightened and how to become enlightened. And one of the things he says is kind of what you just said, there is no real injury. And, and this right. is really kind of an illusion and a dream. And even though it still feels very real or in it. And the other thing you, where you were talking, I, I was thinking about is not only do we think the other person is sent, we, ascri- we ascribe motives to this, that person. They hurt me on purpose. You know, not yeah, only, they, they yeah. stepped on my foot, but they did it on purpose. Like, like there's some, like they're going to gain something out of it. So if we can raise our, our perspective and really understand that people don't hurt people on purpose, um, it's, it's, it's an error. It's usually, a, it's a mistake. Uh, and even the word sin in the Bible is, is to fall short. It's not, it's not an evil thing. Yeah. Well, I, I actually do believe, and the Course does teach, that we hurt each other on purpose. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, and, you know, I've, I've hurt people on purpose. Um, I hate to say, but, but the Course says we do that in the thought that we will gain from that. Right. Only, only an evil person would gain from intentionally hurting somebody else. And the Course says the attacker always loses. Mm-hmm. And therefore, it says that attack, because it, it causes loss in the attacker, it's really a call for help. That person has exactly. lost from the experience, and, and their loss calls out and says, can you help me? And the help that we can give them is, is forgiveness. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's, that is a better way of putting it, and I, I completely agree with that. So um, if, if someone's interested in the Course of Miracles, how do you get started? Because I, I was saying to you earlier, it's pretty daunting. I mean, it's a, it's a big, thick book. It is pretty daunting. Um, it is a big, thick book. My experience, and this is why I've got a job, um, mm-hmm. people, people need help with it usually. Mm-hmm. I think it's helpful to know that, you know, the course may be your path, but it may just be something you benefit from, you know, in, in a minimal way or something in between. So there's, even though it is a course and, and it is a spiritual path, um, different people are meant to have different relationships with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I recommend, uh, well, I do recommend the edition of the course that my organization put out. It, it goes back to the original words that, that Helen Schuckman took down. Um, so it's less edited. Um, it's, it's purple and it's called the complete annotated edition. Okay. Uh, people tend to find it easier to get into. Okay. Um, uh, our website has a ton of helpful articles on it, hundreds, actually. Um, We also have a program, an online program called Course Companions. And what that will do is you can sign up to go through the text or the workbook or the manual for teachers or all of them in sequence. Um, And you'll get an email each day that tells you what your reading is 
Hmm. And that will also gives you about a thousand words of commentary on that section or lesson and then helps you apply it. Oh, wow. So, so I could go to the uh, circleofa.org. Is that right? right. And right. I could find this um, course companions there. Yeah. You, there'll be a link to course companions. It's, okay. it's course companions.org. That's okay. the address of the, of the program. Um, and then there, there are weekly live classes mm-hmm. and uh, twice monthly live Sunday gatherings. And there's a lot going on in a, fa- mm-hmm. a Facebook discussion group and so on. It's a lot going on there. Um, but that, basically takes you by the hand and walks you through the whole book. Now, people take a while deciding they want to be walked through the book. Yeah. So all I, all I would say is just, um, you know, look into it, read some of the course. Uh, I would recommend our articles on circleofa.org. Uh, there is a lot of teaching out there on the course and very, very different things are said. Yeah, I'm um, sure. So you'll have to decide, you know, what approach you gravitate to. My approach and my organization's approach is very much a, let's draw out what the book says, regardless of our preconceptions. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we all soak up a lot from spirituality. It's a very eclectic marketplace out there. And we tend to bring those, you know, concepts that we've learned into A Course in Miracles and for me, the beauty of the book is it's constantly saying things I never expected to read. Mm. And they're things that I find, you know, thought-provoking and wise and practical. So I'm always trying to draw out what the book says, regardless of what we expect it to say and regardless of what anyone out there is saying about the book. Yeah. Well, as I said, I've dabbled in a little bit. And one of the things that, that I found really, really helpful um, and I think I said this earlier in the interview, I think we've forgotten who we are and we all kind of need to wake up. And, and the course talks about it even it, it, actually in that language yeah. and anything that can get me outside of my day-to-day thinking of, I am this body, this is all there is. And the, when I, I was on, actually on the list that was sending me little bits at a time and they would say to, to look at something, intentionally look at that and realize that that's not what you're seeing. And it right. really helps you kind of lift to change that perspective and these, these little practices that we can do on a daily basis can cause us to start to, to wake up, you know, to Absolutely. who we truly are. Well, the workbook, which is the second volume of the course, it's, it's basically all about the spiritual practice the course is teaching us. And it, mm-hmm. it believes that we're not going to get there unless we are practicing during our day. Yeah. Um, apl- applying these teachings, the course also teaches, the workbook teaches meditation techniques, um, it has a heavy focus on prayer towards the latter half of it. Um, it's a different kind of prayer, but it's still prayer. Yeah. Uh, so the course wants us to be doing various mental practices that it thinks if we do them, they will wake us up. Yeah, that's the thing that I'm starting to realize in everything that I've been studying over the last however many years. Uh, it's all about practice. Whatever, whatever path, path we're on, it's about practice. It's not a matter of you can go to church once a week and, and just become enlightened or you can read one thing it's it's about what are you doing day to day you know what do you and what can you incorporate into your into your daily life that really kind of elevates your thinking yeah it's really tempting with spirituality and with the course of miracles in particular to think if i just can talk about it long enough and cleverly enough and knowledgeably enough i'm there yeah and it just doesn't work that way yeah 
So, um, well, that's really, that, that's really uh, helpful. And I, I appreciate you giving me a, a deeper understanding of what it is and uh, giving my audience an understanding of what it is and how people can maybe start to get into it by going to your, to your website, circleofa.org and, uh, and starting there and reading some of the articles about it and see if it's, if it's a path that appeals to you. I, I said for me, kind of having something that's structured is, is appealing um, and something that says, okay, these are the steps that you need to take. So really appreciate everything you're doing with this. Oh, well, I'm, I'm glad to, to be here. It's great to talk about it. And it's interesting to hear your experience because you're exploring all kinds of things and you're taking away some of the same messages about the importance of practice, about how there is nothing to forgive. The Course says that exact line, I think, a couple of times. Mm-hmm. That's this whole approach to forgiveness. When you realize there's nothing to forgive, forgiveness becomes automatic. Yeah. Um, so, so many of the things that you're saying, you know, about we've forgotten who we are, you're picking up from elsewhere, but they're also found in the Course. And it's interesting to, to see that. It really is. And like I said, I, you know, I, I, I start off as a, as a fundamentalist Christian. I remember reading, reading reading C.S. Lewis years ago. Sure, me too. And he talks about this concept of the Tao, which at the time was shocking to me because he was saying the truth is not just in Christianity. It's, it's everywhere. It's, it's eternal. It's, it's ubiquitous. It's all over and it can't help but come out. And what I've found in my studies is it's all over the place. No, it's not just in Buddhism. It's not just in Taoism. It's not just in Christianity. It's not even just in the course. These are just different ways of looking at it. And then you, you pile on top of that the near-death experience um, and what scientists come to understand about consciousness now. And, you know, a lot of scientists are finally saying that consciousness precedes the material, which is what the Bible tells us, right? That first there was God, you know, so that's consciousness. Um, Mm -hmm. So all these things seem to be kind of, you know, coming together. And it's wonderful that we can choose which path that we want to take that all leads to the same place. Yeah, I personally believe, I'm a big believer that God has a plan, not just for the world, but for each one of us. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that is there is a certain path that's that's kind of assigned to us. Yeah. Uh, and if, if it's A Course in Miracles, then there's nothing you can do about it. If it's not A Course in Miracles, there's nothing you can do about it. It's not your path. Yeah. You know, and I think that God would be very ineffective if, if he talked through one thing in this world. I mean, what kind of a God would, would that be? I, I think that, that, that God and the Spirit are shining through every open window all over the world. Mm-hmm. Speaking of paths, what does the Course say about that? Because about, that's, that's a question that we talk about a lot in, uh, in, in the groups that I'm in, because frankly, yeah. a lot of us has been, have been through tragedy, right? We've been through, I've lost a child, you know, things like that. So what does the Course say about a plan for the world or a plan for us as individuals? Well, what just to back up slightly, the Course says that God as God is, is almost so transcendent of this world that to deal with us in this world, he works through an intermediary that the Course, like Christianity, calls the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit is his voice through which he's speaking to us, and we can still communicate with him even though he's totally beyond form. Mm-hmm. and We're like completely form-bound. So the idea is the Holy Spirit has this plan, um, which is also God's plan. And there's kind of two dimensions of it. One is that there's a plan, like a general plan for salvation. And the general plan is that everyone learns to forgive to the point where they're like perfect at it. And then we all kind of wake up. 
Um, and, and the reason it's forgiveness is that what we're trying to do is to get back to love, but you can't love really while you're holding unforgiveness. Unforgiveness says, I've got a reason to withdraw love, yes. right? So, so to get to pure love, we have to go through a process of letting go all the stuff that gets in the way of love. So the general plan from the course's standpoint is that everyone learns to perfectly forgive. Even if you don't use the language of forgiveness, mm-hmm. um, you can still learn you know, the, the, the inner gesture of forgiveness. Um, but then more specifically, the course says that the Holy Spirit has a plan for, for each one of us in each situation throughout each day. Hmm. And so what we need to be doing, and the course provides training in this too, is constantly asking, you know, what do I do here? What do I say here? How do yeah. I see this situation? Mm-hmm. What's my role here? Um, and so if we do that, the course says, we will make very different decisions. We'll move through life in concert with God's plan for our lives. Okay. And ultimately we'll get to what the course calls our special function, which is that we each have uh, a specific role mm-hmm. in the salvation of the world. We have unique strengths that maybe we, we develop them for the sake of our ego, but we can, they can be repurposed and they can be strengths the Holy Spirit uses um, so that we can actively carry out a role that's our small contribution to the salvation of the whole. Wow, that's really cool. One other question I want to ask you, um, does the Course say anything about reincarnation? Um, it does and, and doesn't. Okay. Uh, the, the author, the voice that Helen Shuckman heard, um, he did have little references to it, but when it's addressed directly in the Course, what he says is that it's not really important. Yeah. That basically there's a trap in thinking that you're kind of at the effect of your past. I mean, the whole idea of forgiveness is the past really doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what happens with reincarnation, it very easily can tie us to thinking, well, I, I did all these terrible things in the past, or terrible things were done to me, or I was some really special person in the past. Um, so from the course's standpoint, reincarnation there is a potential trap there. There are potential benefits in the idea that maybe I've been in all these different bodies, but there was still a, a stable, unchanging me mm-hmm. that has been there all along. So whatever I am, it's not of this body tied to this body. That's a potential benefit. Sure. But his main message is, you know, what we need to do is get free of what the Course calls the ego. Um, and that's something we do now okay and so that's that's the focus therefore the issue of reincarnation is kind of beside the point i personally think it happens um but it's not part of the thought system of the course just because you know it's not as it says essential to salvation well you know it's interesting because i i completely i find myself completely agreeing with that too because i so many people get so caught up on reincarnation and and it frankly I would say that same thing. It's not really that important. I have to live this life right here, right now. And so I'm not really concerned about past lives. I'm not really concerned about future lives. I don't see how that benefits me to get caught up in that. So that's, that's my kind of thing. I think it probably happens, but I don't think it's the way we think it is. I think, um, I don't think that 
Brian will ever exist again. I think there might be like a larger oversoul that I'm part of that will come back and have different experiences, but I don't really get caught up in it. But um, you did touch on another thing I want to talk about yeah. because yeah. The, I, you, you used the word ego and that is a real trigger, I guess, for me anyway, in a lot of new age teaching because we were constantly supposed to battle our ego. Ego is a terrible thing. What does the course say about ego? Well, the course has an interesting and perhaps somewhat different approach to the ego. What it says is the ego is a belief in being a separate being who's basically separate and on your own. Mm -hmm. Um, It does characterize that belief in very negative terms. The Mm -hmm. ego is, it's not just sort of, you know, I'm afraid it's, it's I want to gain from attack. I want to put others beneath me. I want to be on the top of the heap. Um, and the ego, its view of the ego, to me, explains the terrible things that happen in this world that we do mm-hmm. to each other. I mean, we do unbelievable things to each other. Um, but from the course's standpoint, the key is it's just a belief. It's, it's a false identity. And so no matter how uh, attacking the ego may be and how self-centered, how egocentric, how egotistical Mm -hmm. it may be, uh, it's not who we are. We're still, as in in the Course's language, we're still the Son of God. Um, And so we're still holy. We're absolutely pristine. We're untainted by anything the ego has had us do. Uh, So we have to have this interesting balance in the Course where we realize that's not me, but we also don't underestimate how much we tend to identify with the ego. Yeah, you know, as you were saying that, because I, I, the thing is, I think about in, in terms of what Freud uses, id, ego, and superego, right? So yeah. I think what people call the ego, I, I tend to think of the id. The, right. And so I, I, I think the idea of being a separate self as a false belief, not as an entity, is something to be attacked, but as a belief to be let go of, then I can get with the ego is a bad thing because I'm not a separate person. But on the other hand, as a human being, you know, I'm in this body and I am a separate person. So there's, we have this kind of dual identity. We have our real self, which is this magnificent divine being, but I, I am trapped in this body. Um, but, but the false belief that I need to get what I need to get at the expense of you and I'm on my own, that's something that we really need to overcome. Yeah, well, that's everything you said. Uh, I think the course would agree with that, and that, and its view of the ego has a lot of id in it, a lot of mm-hmm. Freudian id. Um, so, what it wants us to do is learn how the ego works, um, understand that so much of our thinking is the voice of our ego. Yeah, um, exactly. And then be able to stand apart from it and feel like there is an I. That is not the ego. Yeah. And then I can, that helps me let it go. Yeah, that, that is the key. That's what I'm starting to find. That is really the key. It's being able to, to separate and take that higher view and, and look at myself and say, that's not really who I am. Yeah, because it's, it's identifying with the ego that makes us feel guilty, that makes us feel a sense of low self-worth, that makes us feel afraid. To the extent that we can say, that's not me, then we can be free. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, Robert, I know you have another appointment to get to. I really appreciate you taking the time to to do this today. Um, I, I'm hoping that this resonates with some people because I, I'm, I'm trying to give people different paths the path, so you can find the path that you need to be on. As you said, a, a course is not for everybody, but I think it's maybe for a lot of people. Um, so this has been a really great uh, time to learn and understand all this. Oh, it's been a wonderful conversation. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, uh, I want to give your name again. It's Robert Perry, P-E-R-R-Y. The website is circleofa, as in atonement.org, and also coursecompanion.org. Is that correct? Or- coursecompanions.org. Yeah. Coursecompanions.org. Um, Robert, thanks a lot. Um, have a great weekend. Thank you for having me. Same to you. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed the episode. I want to make it really easy for you to reach me. So just send me a text to 31996 and simply text the word growth, G-R-O-W-T-H. In fact, you can right now just say, hey, Siri, send a message to 31996. And when Siri asks you what you want to send, just say growth. You can do the same thing with OK Google. Thanks a lot. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to Grief to Growth. Brian hopes that you find this episode helpful and will come back for future episodes. Brian's best-selling book, Grief to Growth, Planted Not Buried, is a great resource for anyone who is coping with grief or knows someone who is. If you enjoy the podcast and would like to support it, there are three things you can do to help. The first is to share the podcast with someone that you think it will help. The second is to go to iTunes, rate, and review the episode. The third way you can support the podcast is by becoming a patron. Head over to www.patreon.com slash grief to growth. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash grief, the number two, growth, and sign up to make a small monthly donation. Patrons get access to exclusive bonus content and knowledge that you are helping to spread the message of grief to growth. For more about Brian and grief to growth, visit www.grief2growth.com. Hey there, if you liked this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you liked. If you didn't like this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you didn't like. Go to grieftogrowth.com slash community and look for talk about the podcast. I'll see you there.